Hello. Welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. Thank you for gathering around our campfire. Hope your tootsies are toasty. Hope that brain's ready to hear stories. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, every Friday, Guide to the Unknown comes out. Chris and I sit down. We've done research on scary topics. We're going to tell them to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, they're long-form stories. We really dive into the origins of monsters and urban legends. Yeah. But sometimes we com- come across something that doesn't really need its own gigantic segment. Right. Uh Kristen, this week I don't have a mini monster for you. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk to you about something that is appropriate for the Halloween season. Okay. The other day I was, because I'll just, you know, randomly sing things, whatever. <laughs> I think I was on the phone with Alan. Were you singing a song of Sixpence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to sing primarily old songs that children in knee socks would sing. It's like Sixpence. I was singing Got a little rye in that pocket. Walking around in the backyard. My favorite song. Yeah. Very quick story. One time I was going to do karaoke with my friend and they read the wrong thing. Like they read the wrong number that corresponded to the song. And they were like, all right, now we have Kristen and Mike to sing Feed the Birds Tuppence a Bag. We were like, what? I can't believe that's available for karaoke. What a bummer song. That's where um, a homeless woman like in the middle of Mary Poppins, apropos of basically nothing, starts singing about how it costs only tuppence to buy bird feed from her. And will you please do that? Tuppence a bag. So weird. Tuppence, tuppence, tuppence a bag. And then there's a karaoke. And then there's a spoken part where she's like, feed the birds. Tuppence a bag. Like, it's so weird. It's so good. Anyway. So anyway, no, that is not what I was singing. Okay. I think I was on the phone with Allie. I was just saying nonsensical stuff. My wife, Allie, and I was talking about the dog, my uh-huh. dog, Molly. And I said that, uh, uh, <laughs> I said that Molly was playing Pinochle on my snout. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I wasn't even thinking, I don't know, I didn't consider Yeah, what that's meant. a weird song. And she goes, what is, wait, what is that? What is that? It's pe- something playing Pinochle on your snout. Yeah. And I said, the worms the wor- crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms play Pinochle on your snout. Yeah. And she was like, what, what is that? And it occurred to me, I didn't know. I don't either. So I did some research. All I know about this, the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, is that it's a sort of Halloween yeah. limerick rhyme riddle. I don't uh-huh. know. Uh, and that was basically all I could have said of it. Yeah. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. Right. It turns out, Kristen, that is a stanza from what is called the hearse song. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, Hit me with some other stanzas. Oh, I will. Don't you worry. (laughs) So this is a song that most children know, but I think modern people know it because it was sort of popularized in scary stories to tell in the dark. Okay, that'll do it. Yeah. That that book series with the really creepy ink, black ink drawings that are really hairy, scary, weird. Yeah, it's been in the news a lot. Movie of it. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so Alvin Schwartz, who wrote those books, had written the hearse song as as follows yeah don't ever laugh as the hearse goes by for you may be the next one to die real quick yeah gross out warning oh okay this Uh-oh. was a, this isn't a kid's book, book i is- definitely read this as a kid i would whenever we would go to the library in school i would immediately run to try to see if this book was still available yeah so i could read it for the one millionth time yeah i mean i also had it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i have them upstairs yeah i should have brought them down but like why were you only looking at the li- or you just wanted to get as much as you could so I'm just saying you could have read it at home. Like, why oh, was oh. it an excitement at the library? Yeah, what was I going to read at the library? A different, non-scary book? <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah, R.L. Stein, Christopher I was Pike. Five, I was obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get enough. 
Uh, but now that I'm 31, uh-huh. this, what I'm going to read to you, grossed me out. Oh, it God. didn't gross me out as a kid. There are a lot of things like that for me, actually. You just don't have the same context and like understanding of realness, I think, when you're a kid. Yeah, it's surprising that like I'm I'm not more jaded, mm-hmm. I'm less. Yes, I feel the same way. That's really I absolutely yeah. feel the same way. I'm more prude than I used to be. Yeah. It's so weird. Anyway. So brace yourselves. It gets gross. Don't you ever laugh as the hearse goes by, for you may be the next one to die. They wrap you up in big white sheets and cover you from head to feet. They put you in a big black box and cover you with dirt and rocks. All goes well for about a week until your coffin begins to Ew, ew. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. The worms play pinochle on your snout. They eat your eyes, they eat your nose. They eat the jelly between your toes. Ew, I remember that. A big green worm with rolling eyes crawls in your stomach and out your sides. Your stomach turns a slimy green and pus pours out like whipping cream. Ew. You'll spread it on a slice of bread. (gasps) And that's what you eat when you are dead. Ew. Ew, that's shocking. How gross is that? So that... That song, Ew. needless to say, the popularity of that book, yeah. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, 1981, means that, that that sort of song is popular today, the Hearst song. So I listened to, this afternoon, there's a band called Harley Poe. Uh-huh. Uh, they're sort of, I've, they've been classified as folk punk. Okay. Um, uh, they have like really like wiggly voices. <laughs> it's like really kind of mumblecore rock. Uh-huh. Uh, they did their own version of the Hearst song. Uh, somebody commented... I actually find this song kind of dot 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 peaceful, and it seemed real try hard to be creepy. Oh wow! But that's popularity today. Yeah. This song, though, I think most of everybody's familiarity with it is due to the '80s. Yeah, it goes back much farther. Yeah, because okay, because I thought that it went back further. I was surprised when you referenced. Scary stories to tell in the dark. So I was like, oh, it only started there? I thought it was like an old, old thing. I was shocked to find out it went further back. Okay. In the 1960s, a guy named Terry Teen Uh released a novelty record called Curse of the Hearse, where he wrote additional lyrics. Um, It's bizarre. Like, I listened to it. You can find the recording online, Terry Teen, Curse of the Hearse. Yeah. Um, The 60s feels like an era of some innocence, Uh you know? Well, but, depends on when in the 60s. I, it sounds like early 60s to me because it yeah. sounds, sounds like it has sort of that 50s uh-huh. bopping along yeah, like, vibe. But throughout the song, there's the sound of a woman screaming. <laughs> uh, and then at one point when he's talking about uh, your pus looks like whipping cream, he goes, and me without a spoon. <laughs> Which I thought was great. <laughs> that is very like 50s, so yeah. it had to be early 60s. That wasn't Charles post Charles Manson era yeah. music. So we go, That's so funny. We go a, and me without a spoon. And me without a spoon. A little aside. Yes. We go a decade earlier. Uh, in the 1950s, the lines were a little bit different. The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, the worms play pinochle on your snout. A big black bug, <laughs> a big black bug with two red eyes crawls up your stomach and out your eyes. Your liver turns a slimy green and t- and looks and tastes like whipping cream. So it's still the basic idea, but it's different. Ew, it's like a little bit grosser. Yeah. Little or maybe bit. just as gross, but in a different way. I Looks think and I think tastes like. Yes. Ew. We go even earlier, uh-huh. Kristen. We go to World War One uh-huh. because the Hearst song 
was originally a war song oh. sung by both American and British soldiers during World oh, War wow. I. Oh, wow. little black humor. little black humor to get by. Yeah. You're out there on the battlefield. you got to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't ever laugh as the hearse goes by, for you may be the next to die. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit... It's a little bit trying to take the macabre and turn it into a playful thing yeah. that's approachable and understandable. It defangs right. the, the stark reality of it. Right. right. It's gallows humor. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then the earliest known uh, incarnation of the song comes from the Crimean War. Uh-huh. 1853 See, 1856. I, I mean, I can't say that. I was, I was like, oh, yes, of course, the Crimean War. But I thought of it as a song that was like an old, old song. Oh, boy. So that... Makes sense to me. It felt to me like it had that sort of '90s, you know, fun to be gross. I mean, I only kind of vibe to it a little bit. Yes, but uh, I was I was certainly shocked that at, you know the furthest back I'm presently aware of, 1853. Damn. Yeah, I only remembered the worms crawl and the worms worms crawl. The worms play pinochle on your snout. The right. r- the rest of the words in scary stories to tell in dark are very 90s gross yeah yeah like sure. when little kid things would be disgusting yeah because there were other things like that that like kids wouldn't you know not to be like when i was your agey but there were definitely things that were children's entertainment that would not be children's entertainment today because it's too gross or too scary 100 oh, percent. the entire scary stories to tell in the dark series uh, completely the, the art by stephen gamble is very frightening yes yeah. even are you afraid of the dark is too scary i think for today for it to be marketed to kids well, the way that it was getting a movie are yes. you afraid of the dark right now yes yeah. all about it um so that is awesome yeah very cool so anyway yeah. that is the hearse song i just thought it was fun to like take a look at it especially as we're yeah. starting to march closer and closer to halloween yeah uh that feels like something that people might read to each other while they're playing a, a an audio cassette of spooky sounds of like yeah. creaking doors you yeah know, totally owls hooting in the distance yeah like that. that's awesome there you go all right well well shall i jump in i think you shall well let's take another musical journey to aid us into my main topic okay william i'm going to talk to you about antichrists in fiction wow wow so this is the topic that I chose last week yeah. that we ended up pushing back because the Chupacabra was way too cool. Guys, we got a lot of feedback that you loved that. I'm happy you did. We were obviously obsessed with it. Yeah, that story may not be done, by the way. I know. Yeah, it may not have anything to do with uh, with the two of us, <laughs> but that story may it live It may on. live on, yeah. yeah, in a big way. Partially because of us. Yes. We'll have more someday. Yes, perhaps. hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, so... When this comes out on Friday, the new season of American Horror Story will have premiered the previous Wednesday. Gotcha. And there is an Antichrist angle there. I haven't seen it yet because when we record, it's the day before it comes out. But it's the theme is American Horror Story Apocalypse. And it's a crossover between the first season, which is Murder House, and the third season, which is Coven. And at the end of Murder House, I'm going to spoil it because it has to, like, it's going to be spoiled for you anyway, I think, if you watch the new season. Yeah, probably. Um, at the end of Murder House, I won't tell you how, but a baby is born that is pretty much like an Antichrist. And this is like, Apocalypse is like set in the future when the Antichrist is like a little bit more grown up and is apparently wreaking some sort of havoc, I would imagine. And if you guys want a little bit of a recap of that, our friend Chelsea, who works for Hunt a Killer and who also produces the show Euphemet that we've talked about a bunch of times that I know a bunch of you guys really like. 
Chelsea has written blogs for the Hunt a Killer blog that recap the Murder House season and the Coven season of American Horror Story. So you could go read those before you watch the show if you want to, to feel like you're like up to speed. Cool. Um, so it's like, I think it might be huntakiller.com slash blog. I believe it is. But if you Google Hunt a Killer blog, it'll come up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to talk about the idea of the Antichrist in fictional things. Cool. So the first one that I'm going to talk about, William, is one of the 90s, an Antichrist superstar named Marilyn Manson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> he had a concept album called Antichrist Superstar. I, I, I'm very excited to hear this. Okay. Oh, can I just say one thing real quick? Yes. I should have commented on it a moment ago. Uh-huh. You said that in American Horror Story, a baby is born at the end, but you won't say how. And well. It made it sound like we won't be giving details here. Ask your mommies and daddies. <laughs> That's really not for us to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It does sound like that. Yeah. I mean, the circumstances of which. Right. But, um, so yeah, Antichrist Superstar was a Marilyn Manson album in the 90s. And even talking about it is like very word soupy to me. So I basically took a lot just directly from the Wikipedia page about it because it's like, the themes have to do with this and that. Okay. Yeah. So the central storyline of the album, which is kind of like a rock opera sort of thing, revolves around a supernatural being who seizes all political power from humanity in order to initiate an apocalyptic end event. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was both inspired by and a tribute to the work of Nietzsche, as well as the Bowie song, <laughs> We Are the Dead. Which Manson interpreted to be about, and I paraphrase, the disgusting cannibalism of Hollywood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is a treat to read. Do we have any idea at what point in his career he did this? This is early on, right? Yeah. What, what's the disgusting cannibalism of Hollywood to him? Has he worked there at all? I don't think so. No, <laughs> you know no, this is like, like early on. This was like, I man, uh, nobody... If anybody's a big Manson fan, I'm getting the chronology wrong. Please forgive me. Yeah. I think this is where like the beautiful people is from. Okay. So I think it's like very early on. Yeah. Um, so no, I think he was probably like, you know, working the scene or whatever. It's just, and funny just like, to be you know, like, Hollywood eats their own. Yeah. There's it's just no funny loyalty. to be like with no context for yeah. what it's actually like. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think you could probably say that from the outside that Hollywood doesn't necessarily treat itself, you could say, very well. Fair its enough. members. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah. Um, so it just implies <laughs> some sort of like, like you've been eaten by Hollywood. Yeah. It, Im yeah. it implies some sort of relationship that has already taken place that he's been scorned right. in some way, you know, like it just, it just suggests that <laughs> perhaps he was, perhaps he and Twiggy and Dolly or whatever, were really trying to make a go of it and the system chewed them up and spit them out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it was a metaphor for the perceived fascist elements of the conservative political movement and the Christian right in North America. See, this is very hard to talk about off the cuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. So this is the part that really got me because I, I was like, should I include this? And then when I saw this, I was like, yeah, I got to include it. Um, the record is separated into three sections. The Hierophant, Inauguration of the Worm. Ooh. That's my favorite part. Oh, I love that. And Disintegrator Rising. In the final section, the central character transforms into the Antichrist superstar, an Epicurean demagogue whose motivations transcend any conceivable sense of morality. Disgusted by humankind, it initiates a genocidal extermination of the human race, eventually destroying the entire planet. 
Wow. So he, Who knew there was so much going on there? He destroys the world in that album? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then somehow moves on to other albums in this series. It's like part of a part of a trilogy with like mechanical animals, oh. which might have even been before this. I'm not totally sure. And then something else. So has he been storytelling? Is he playing a character? In uh, Well, it seems like in this he was. I don't think in general. Like I don't okay. think that the whole of his career yeah. is a character thing. But I think in this, there was a specific thing going okay. on. Um, also, I think this is genuinely sweet the album is cyclical so the opening and closing seconds of it um have the distorted phrase when you are suffering know that i have betrayed you wow to open and close with that is awesome that is that's kind of awesome yeah, yeah. and then also oh, no what if we turn into big manson fans? i know well i remembered so i had a friend who was a big manson fan when we lived in missouri and there was one time i had to borrow her shirt for some reason i don't know what the deal was and it was like a humongous oversized Marilyn manson shirt for me to wear with my humongous oversized pants yeah. and where i felt like a poser because i wasn't into Marilyn manson and yet repping. i was yeah, yeah i was wearing his symbol yeah it was actually are, his face. I wonder if there are acoustic covers of his songs that people I'm do sure in coffee there are. shops. Uh, I don't know, a coffee shop, but I bet on YouTube the there are. Beautiful people, the beautiful people, yeah. <laughs> the beautiful people. With, <laughs> with bongos for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the more he's like, <laughs> so there's like gen- gentle version of that. We're all stars now. <laughs> In, in the, the dope, dope show. show wait let me let you do that alone because you do that really funny <laughs> i used to make you do that all the time everybody turn on the lights crank yeah. up the tunes go to 11 it's specifically in the dope show that you do well we're all stars now in the dope show <laughs> so that song sounds exactly I should clarify. Perhaps not well as far as a mimic. I mean, well as in I love it. No, and I'm the dope show. Flawless mimic. <laughs> um, the last thing that I will say about Antichrist Superstar is that in the book that comes with the CD, it has tons of medical diagrams. Sounds right on. Um, Kabbalah symbols and a visual worm to angel metamorphosis. There's a real worm thing going on yeah, here. Yeah, inauguration of the worm. Yeah, and I was disappointed a little bit when I went to review my notes today because I wrote this last week. I remembered worm as being spelled W-Y-R-M, and it's oh, not. It's just normal worm. Damn. I know. That's more evil when not it's Not even a, W-U-R-M. No, it's just worm. Oh, damn it. Missed opportunity. Right? But so, on to a little bit more of a conventional, very famous Antichrist in fiction. Perhaps my favorite Antichrist in fiction, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Adrian Woodhouse. Hail Adrian. <laughs> Satan is his father. The year is one. <laughs> God is done. <laughs> oh, that book is great. I love Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. If you guys haven't read it, I highly recommend it. And I specifically recommend listening to the audiobook because it's narrated by Mia Farrow and it is so Good. Oh, I have a cool. Tannis Charm tattoo. I love Rosemary's yeah, Baby. Where is that Tannis Charm? It is in my elbow. Yeah, Crook River elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, put, yeah. they make uh, Rosemary wear a little charm around her neck with a weed growing in it. Yes. She that, originally like, thinks that it's supposed to be for like good health or something because yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. But it later turns out that it's like the devil's It's like Satan's stink. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, she's part of like a big machination. Yeah. So the deal is, is that she and her husband move into a fancy schmancy hotel called the Dakota, which is where John Lennon lived and was shot later. And um, he's a struggling actor and they meet their neighbors. Everything seems nice with them. They're like older people. 
Um, her husband ends up getting a big role, kind of surprisingly, like somebody has to drop out and he gets the role. Um, Rosemary gets pregnant, um, after night where she drank too much or something, or maybe it was that she ate that weird pudding that put her to sleep. <laughs> maybe it was a little bit of both. Um, you didn't eat that and, pudding, did you? And, um, you didn't eat that pudding I left out on the counter, <laughs> did you, Rosemary? No, he's such a jerk. Like he, like oh, Minnie, the neighbor made chocolate, chocolate mouse. She calls it, it chocolate cho- mouse. It was chalky. Yes, she she has a chalky undertaste, yeah, not yeah. aftertaste. She has undertaste, and she's like, I don't like it. And guy, her husband's being really weird. And he's like, Well, she she made it. You should really eat it. And she's like, She's not here. Like, what's the difference? He's being like a jerk because it turns out that those neighbors are Satanists. Like most of the people in the building are Satanists, or at least people who are like on the border on their floor, or something like that. And they got at her husband, Guy, who was a struggling actor, and said, hey, if you let us have the devil rape your wife and impregnate her with his spawn, we will make sure that your acting career takes off. And he does that. So Rosemary gets pregnant. Um, She is not feeling well the whole time. Things are weird. She can sense things are weird. She starts to realize that there's a conspiracy. She's she's pregnant. She's probably hormonal. No, Rosemary, it's fine. They gaslight the hell out of her. through this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she starts to know that there's a conspiracy going on. And everybody doubts her. And at the end, it's confirmed. It's a totally sweet scene. Oh. I know I kind of just explained Rosemary's Baby, but I would say to like, if you don't, if you haven't matter. seen it or whatever, like watch it and see the end through your eyes instead of me telling you. It doesn't it's matter. So good. Of course, but the book is like 50 years old. No, no, I'm least. just saying that they should, if they haven't happened to have read the book or watched the movie, then they should just experience the end for themselves instead of me explaining it. I agree. Like, but I'm also yeah. saying that like, you know, I think a little dramatic irony in mm-hmm. that story is actually sometimes helpful. Like, there are moments that you'll be like, something weird's going, oh, I know exactly why that happened. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, to, yeah. like, know what's going on, you yeah. mean, beforehand yeah. makes it more fun? Yeah, I'm sure that that's true. Um, so, the story of Rosemary's Baby is known pretty well, but do a lot of people know about the sequels to Rosemary's Baby? That is the question. Wow, I don't know. You do. I... We did talk about it when we read the book and everything. We read it for our old podcast, Book Club Schmuck Club. There is a book... Um, sequel called son of rosemary and there is also a movie sequel which was a tv movie son of dad (laughs) wasn't that a thing on seinfeld yeah it is (laughs) somebody thought something was a killer and not the son of xander the son son of dad Dad. sorry that just popped in my head i apologize (laughs) it works um so yeah there's son of rosemary which is the book sequel and there's whatever happened to rosemary's baby which is the tv movie sequel yes they both seem to stink you and i watched the tv movie sequel and it was terrible we watched it at your old apartment i don't have any more details wow we're drinking it stunk yeah so we probably just don't remember it that well i when i was reading about it i was like i vaguely remember this but like not even really i don't even know if we finished it um so the book sequel it's one of those things where they do a little bit of retcon which i'm not thrilled about um i'll get there but it turns out in the book sequel that um adrian or andy as rosemary calls him because she's playing on naming the baby andrew um was taken from her and raised by minnie and roman who were like the head of the coven in the building They're like 95 i know <laughs> i know not not cool but um they didn't raise him for long because he escaped oh. and then he became the charismatic leader of a worldwide charity so it seems like he was like a famous charity guy you it's, look suspicious. Well, no, just you, it, it sounds a lot like Marilyn Manson's Antichrist rising to political power. 
well, William, you might not, you and Marilyn might not be far off. You got charisma. Right. At the yin yang, it seems like. So he's got charisma. He's famous. He's a famous do gooder, basically. And Rosemary somehow figures out this famous do gooder is her son and they are able to reunite. And because he's so famous, Rosemary even becomes famous just because she's his long lost mother or whatever. Yeah. Um, and things are good and she's happy that they reunited and everything until she starts to suspect that maybe Rosemary's baby is still a little witchy. Okay. Um, and th- she thinks that he may still be trying to usher in the end of the world. And she's proven correct when he holds, which this sounds totally sweet. He holds a large scale candle lighting ceremony as part of his charity. And it turns out that he has that and has everybody gathered together and doing all this stuff as once so that he can unleash a deadly virus. Oh my God. That wipes out all of humanity. Whoa. <laughs> that was fast. In the wake of this. Satan rises up and he drags Rosemary down to hell. Whoa, why? I know. Not fair, right? Or does he? William. (laughs) Rosemary wakes up from a dream. Right. And she wakes up. She hasn't even lived in the Dakota yet. She hasn't met Minnie and Roman. She's not pregnant. Not anything. And you realize that um, the events of the first book, so all of Rosemary's baby and what she just dreamed for the sequel were a dream, but Rosemary takes them as a warning. So now she's going to be going into the events. Like I think that the book ends with like guy on the phone being like, huh, there's an opening at the Dakota. How splendid or whatever. And so you're, you're to take that. Rosemary is like taking these things as an omen and she might look alive a little bit more and maybe this stuff won't come to pass. That is so complicated and potentially really compelling. Yeah, I just really don't like... I mean, nobody really does when somebody wakes up from a dream and the no, whole thing didn't happen. but not even that. Like, we're all familiar with the premise of Rosemary's Baby. She, It's a pregnant woman being manipulated. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. That if she has you, the potential to take her power back and, like, make it not happen. I would... I would, But even bigger than that, mm-hmm. that she maybe has foreseen everything that's going to come. Mm. And she's going to be sidestepping it along the way. That's, I didn't even think about that, that taking it more literally, that it's not yeah. that she's had a dream where she's like, oh, I'll be on the lookout, that she had like a prophecy. Yes. That does sound sweet, actually. Yeah, don't eat the pudding. Yeah. It's like, I would like it's that like if a, it came before everything else. I know. It's like it's like Back to the Future Part 2, where he's like walking in step with what he did in the first Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Like, there's something that's very complicated. I yeah. thought it'd be really hard to explain to people what that's supposed to be. Yeah. To get people on board to watch that. Right. But I would watch that. That's I really would totally weird. watch I've it. I've seen a prophecy yeah. of what's to come. It's all unfolding. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get out of this? Right. Yeah. That does sound sweet. It doesn't sound like that's kind of like where it goes right. in this or what's intended, but that is a sweet idea for something. You're totally yeah. right. Um, something also that I think is interesting is that there are like fan theories, I guess you could say, or just reader theories. Um, because, and this is kind of intriguing, like the discrepancies seemed kind of obvious where this might be legit. There's a theory that there's some sort of, because there are weird time discrepancies in the book. Like, let's say that, um, man, I remembered it last week when, when I read this, like she says like something happened on this date and it didn't happen on that date. She'd be like, Oh, in 1965, the Mets won the World Series, not that. Yeah. And you're like, no, that was in 1968. But something a little bit more obvious. Because of those weird time discrepancies in the book, some people think that those are there deliberately and pointedly, and that they point to the idea that Rosemary actually wakes up in purgatory. Oh, wow. Like, that she's not just waking up or whatever. Like, that this is all kind of a mind a mind mess, and Rosemary's just in, in purgatory. That is very strange. Yeah, very. Yeah, that's just a theory. Yeah. 
Um, but the, the examples of the time discrepancies were weird enough that I was like, I mean, that could get by. It wasn't anything so humongous, but I was like, there are enough of them that, or maybe it's just one of those things almost like how the hotel, the Overlook and the Shining, like the, um, geography of it or the architecture of it is like just out of whack enough that you wouldn't notice it just with your naked eye or even think to notice it. But like the way, the path that Danny takes when he's riding the, um, trike around the hotel, like, with the land of the hotel, he wouldn't be able to do that. Like he'd be running into a wall at one point, or he wouldn't be able to be, be going like through the kitchen there or whatever. Floor. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that can kind of just like throw you off kilter without realizing yeah. it. There's just part of your brain that registers that that's not yeah, right. You didn't notice it, but your brain did. Right. So I wonder if the dates could be serving that sort of purpose. It's just like a little bit off kilter. Just something's not right in this entire world. Yeah. Maybe it was on purpose. Right. Um. And then in the TV movie, oh, it's called Look What Happened to Rosemary's Baby, not Whatever Happened to Rosemary's Baby. I merged on Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Look who's Rosemary's Baby yeah. now. Rosemary's dog. It is I. Um, the plot was so bad and convoluted. It was like Antichrist Superstar times three. The Wikipedia page for uh, Look What Happened to Rosemary's Baby is so long. The plot of it is so long. So somebody loves it then. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm not even going to go into the whole plot, but I would like to tell you that Adrian is used by Satan to possess all the people on the dance floor of a casino at one point. <laughs> that part I don't remember from us watching it, but I'm listening. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd be tuning in. I'm interested. <laughs> um, so the other famous Antichrist that I'm going to touch on is Damien from The Omen. Nice. First of all, synopsis of The Omen, same way that I did a synopsis of Rosemary's Baby, um, there are, there's a couple that are in the hospital to give birth. The mother unfortunately miscarries and the father finds out that there's a baby up for adoption in the hospital. A, a priest comes to him and says like, you could take this baby home right. instead. And the father is like, I don't want to devastate my wife and just takes the baby home without telling her this is not actually the baby that you gave birth to. Right. Um, and the kid is like all messed up. All kinds of evil things start to happen. He attacks people. People die around him. Animals Anytime, hate him. Yeah, animals hate him. He kills tons of people indirectly. Um, it turns out that he was actually the son of a jackal. Yep. They dig up the mother's <laughs> grave. And yes. It's and it's a jackal. Yeah. And um, Not a jackalope. No, no. A, a j <laughs> important distinction. Hey, Not voiced me. by Dave Coulier. Yeah. This is a jackal. Pure evil. Anyone get that reference? <laughs> and um both of his parents die in the process again it's a great movie so just watch it but that's the general gist everybody around this kid dies including his parents it's all for you damien oh so sweet i love the omen as oh, a matter great. of fact i love both of these movies yeah. um and the movie ends with him at his parents funeral throwing an evil smile at the camera mm -hmm. sweet he did a jim halpert <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time. He's really? like, can you believe this? Can you believe what um, I got away with? So the yeah, he was a real bad boy. I guess I was a real bad boy. Me. And it cuts to black. Yeah. Does Jim Halpert do that? Yeah. I guess I was a real bad boy. <laughs> sounds, sounds like weird Bill Clinton. <laughs> um. So something interesting about The Omen and The Omen 2, which I'm going to get to, because that's where I'm going to take us into an area that some of us might not know about. Yeah. The trailers for both of these movies really give away the farm, which I think is really funny. Oh, really? The original trailer for The Omen shows him freaking out and attacking his mom in a car. And, <laughs> just, like, it's just weird. Like, you're just like, oh, okay, this kid's evil. There's, like, something really wrong. And just as a PS, there 
I think it's that they're about to get out of the car at some sort of big event, like a wedding, or yeah. maybe it's like some political event. This guy who's opening the door for them, the husband has just gotten out. He sees Damien attacking his mom like crazy, looks in and is like, yeesh, and closes the door <laughs> oh. to like, not my problem. And the dad goes back in and saves her. That's bizarre. The, tra- the trailer says that the mom is a jackal. Um, the trailer shows the photographer guy clearly about to be killed by that thing. Oh, no, no, excuse me. The photographer gets killed by this, like, plate of glass sliding. Right. And it shows the photographer basically being like, ah! And, like, a thing coming at him. Yeah. It shows famously this priest gets impaled by something that flies off of a tower. It shows that so basically. Tells you, it tells you complain about marketing everything. today in movies and how they give away no, everything. No, this was above and beyond. I feel like in movies today, they do give away things a lot, but it's more like they show, like, the basic plot beats. You're right. like, okay, so they're gonna get together. Oh, but they're 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 gonna have a fight. But then they're gonna kiss. Yeah, this was sure. this was showing you like specific. Yeah. And for sure, the way old marketing used to be. This is probably prior to when the Omen actually came out. But old old trailers and stuff used to be like a boy. Yeah, a yeah. Very special, different boy. No, they were doing the stuff. Son of the devil. They did they did stuff like that. <laughs> like they were like they'll kill for him. They'll be killed by him or like whatever. Yeah. Um, it also shows the nanny jumping off the house. It shows Mrs. Baylock, who's the new nanny, jumping on the dad to attack him. So now you know that that new nanny is evil as well. Yeah, see, that's dramatic <laughs> irony, though, right? Like, they give that to you, and then in the movie, you're like, oh, boy, this is going to be good. Uh, that moment's coming. I don't I know. I tell. I know it. In the context of showing so much other stuff, yeah. it feels like way too much. It'd be well, one thing if that was the only thing. It all doesn't, you know, really matter, because, like, he wasn't actually the son of the devil. Right. I mean... So what's what's your? Well, I'm just saying, Damien. Yeah, he's just a mischievous, rambunctious kid. No. <laughs> so the whole trailer was just a misdirect. Yeah. Gotcha. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Uh, I, I will interject this in your story. There's yeah. a very odd sign. The show Seinfeld doesn't usually dip into horror references, uh-huh. but there's just a, a moment in a scene in the show, The Nap. Yeah. Where they're talking about the Omen, and Kramer walks in. They go, "Hey, Kramer, you've seen the Omen, right?" And he goes, yeah. They go, what was with that kid? And he goes, oh, Damien? Oh, yeah, it's just a rambunctious... Mischievous kid. Who, Damien? Nothing. He's just a mischievous, rambunctious kid. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> wonderful line. That is a wonderful line. Um, and the Omen 2 trailer isn't as bad, but it ends with, like, five shots and sequence of Damien just, like, looking intense at the camera, like, boom, boom. Boom! Different angles. I was like, "What is with trailers oh, in the seventies?" Saying boom when he did stuff. <laughs> boom! 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 Older Damien is weird too. Yeah. No offense to older Damien. I'm sorry. So here is what happens in the Omen Two. Um, it picks up seven years later when he's twelve and he's living with his aunt, uncle, and cousin now. Um, they are prestigious as well. Something that's interesting about the Omen, the Omen Two. And The Exorcist, I realized that they all are from wealthy families, which is interesting. Like in The Exorcist, Reagan's mom is a famous actress. In The Omen, his dad is a... Um, politician. Yeah, politician. He's like a... I can't remember the word. He's um, like a senator in D.C. or something. It's not that. It's like... I'm not sure. Oh, really? Um, like also, a representative or something. I don't know. What's weird, in The Exorcist, her mother's an actress. Mm-hmm. In Rosemary's Baby, her husband's an oh, actor. yeah. It's weird to be connected to the entertainment industry in these antichrists. Or, you know, yes. evil demon stories. Yes, yeah. totally. And then another connection, at least with Rosemary's Baby, and it may start from there, but it also just makes kind of sense. Um, in Rosemary's Baby, 
the baby is conceived as a result of a rape. And then in American Horror Story, it's the same thing. Mm. So it's interesting to think that in both yeah. of these stories, like it's obviously like, it's not like everybody who's conceived by a rape is going to be evil or whatever, but it's just interesting that they use such like intense, horrible violation. The result of that becomes kind of like a violation of the world potentially. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, but Olivia Benson on Law & Order SVU um, was conceived in a rape, and she is an angel. So she's fighting that power left and right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Damien, when he's 12, he goes to a military academy where, oops, the head guy's a Satanist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he takes Damien under his wing and tells Damien of his true nature, which freaks Damien out, which I find very confusing. Because Damien seems well aware of his nature to me in The Omen 1. Like, maybe he wouldn't um, articulate it as being like, I'm the son of the devil, but he seems to be evil and like it. I would say there's a difference, though, between behaving selfishly, greedily, and violently. Yeah. And finding out, like... True, true. You cannot escape this. This is what you will always be. You know what I mean? Yes, true. Like, you hear stories about serial killers who are yeah. like... Like the weepy-voiced killer. Oh, God. Who called people after he killed people. I mean, he called the police after he killed people and be like, mm -hmm. I did it. I'm sorry. I did it. Oh, my God. Uh. He's freaking out. If you then told him, like, you can't hide from this. This is who you are. Yeah, it's this in there for life. This is designed to be. That's very true. You might want to run from that. That's true. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, so, weepy voice devil. Oh weepy God. voice antichrist. Right. Weepy voice killer. Yikes. Everybody, so, if, you're, if you like to get freaked out, weepy oh, voice killer is, is one of the scariest things I've ever heard. Literally chilling. Yeah. Like, it really is, like, uncomfortable to listen there to and just, like, shocking. There are shows out there. Yeah. This is not one of them. Yeah. But, boy, the weepy voice killer. Uh, terrifying. Is a stunning story. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, so he freaks out, but then I guess he kind of like leans into it because he later on proclaims to his cousin that he's Satan's son and he tries to get the cousin to join him. Wow. Join him on his rise to power. Yeah. But the cousin says no, so he kills him. And they show that a little bit in the Omen 2 trailer and he's like, <laughs> and uh, they show Dan being like, say it, mock. Look at me, mock. Mock? Yes, like that. Oh, how old is he in this? Twelve. Say it, mock. Mock. Look at me, mock. Oh, does it sound um, good or does it? Play, it no, it's like funny. A I, it's a little kid. I, and he's saying mock like that. He's like mock. mock, and he doesn't have a British accent. It's really weird. Yeah. Um. So his uncle is totally on to him. Obviously, somebody's got to be, and is going to kill Damien with the seven daggers of Megiddo, which is what you need to kill him with. That's from the first one. But it turns out his wife has been a, a secret Satanist this whole time. Oh. And has been loving that they adopted Damien. That worked out well for her. Yeah, that's good. And so, yeah, so she kills the uncle instead. Ooh. But then Damien, the devil has no loyalty. He burns down or explodes, excuse me, the entire building that they're in, killing her as well. And then he exits the building to get in the car driven by the family fancy driver. Wow. And I didn't see the movie, but I'm going to assume that there's another smile right to camera. I would have to assume so. That's mm -hmm. like a trademark at this point. Yes. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to say about it is that when I was reading the synopsis of The Omen 2, it seems like there are... First of all, I don't think it's supposed to be a very good movie. And the, like The Omen oh, 2. Yeah. That, that sounds good. Oh, boy, too. Um, it seems like there are a lot of near misses in this movie where somebody's like, they got it. They just figured him out, and then they die. Like, a uh, bunch yeah. of times. Right. So, Carl Bugenhagen... 
great name, who was in the first one, and he told the original Omen dad about the knife of Megiddo or whatever, Seven Daggers of Megiddo, um, sees that Damien is still alive, and he knows the drill is what I wrote. So um, he brings someone who can warn Damien's... Okay, so there was a mural... There, there was like a part in the beginning where like these archaeologists saw this mural that depicts like the Antichrist and it looks exactly like Damien. Yeah. Um, so he brings somebody who can warn Damien's new family to the mural depicting the Antichrist to be like, look, seriously, this, it's the same kid. Right. And then the tunnel caves in on them and kills them. Awesome. Um, there's a lady who has seen that mur- mural and she goes to Damien's school to confirm that the face on the mural is Damien and sees that it is. And then she drives away freaked out. Her car dies. And then they show this in the trailer as well. It's worth looking at because I was like, my God, a a raven starts pecking out her eyes and she's running away and the raven is flying after her, attacking her and (laughs) pecks out her eyes. And then the raven watches as she gets run over by a truck. Wow. Also, a raven um, looks at his grandma one night. And then she has a heart attack and dies. The a raven looks at his grandma one time. Yes. The grandma thinks that Damien is not a good influence on the cousin. And I guess a raven comes to the window and it's like an omen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, the grandma dies. Wow. And then also there's an accident at school with fumes that injure. Damien has an accident at school. <laughs> they sent him early in the nurse's sweatpants. The fumes from Damien's accident killed the entire class. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the nurse's sweatpants. There's been an accident. My God, Damien, is he okay? He yes, just went to the bathroom. and Yeah. He went to the bathroom in his pants. You'll notice that he's wearing Transformers sweatpants. <laughs> Does that seem like the Damien we know? Um, yes. So... <laughs> Don't so, drink Pepsi before bed, Damien. You wet the bed. You know what happened to Fuller? Um. So yeah, they go on like a class trip. There are fumes at this class trip that injure everybody in the class except for Damien, but he's taken to the hospital anyway just to be sure that he's all right. And this is my favorite thing that I'm going to end on. A doctor tests his blood and he finds out that he's half jackal. And he's like, oh my God, what does this have to look into this? But then he's cut in half by a falling elevator cable, so he can't do anything about it. Oh my God. Why, he's half jackal. Would, no! <laughs> would, it come up, would a blood test come up? Look. Half jackal. Apparently. Jackal. William, I'm not a doctor, Boy. but yes. <laughs> the answer is a definite yes. firm yes. So those are Antichrist in fiction. I hope that we all enjoyed watching American Horror Story Apocalypse if we watched it. And we have a little bit of context for other Antichrists besides Michael Langdon, I think is his name. That's not a fun Antichrist name. No. Damien's so good. Who's uh, Adrian Damien? Wasn't there a Michael Langdon who was in like Little House on the Prairie? I don't know. Who knows? There's an actor. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, well, as you look that up, I will navigate mm-hmm. to my topic Please. for the week, Kristen. Um, yeah. Michael Langdon. Michael oh, no, Michael Landon? Landon. Little House on the Prairie. Right, well, that was a close one. My name could be wrong, too. I think uh, it's Michael Langdon. Kristen, why don't you go ahead and tell me everything you think you know about Davy Jones? Well, he's a daydream believer. He's one of my favorite monkeys. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know that? David Bowie's real name uh-huh. is Davy Jones. His name is David, I did know that. David Robert Jones, and he specifically changed his name 
so that he would not be mistaken for Davy Jones from the Monkees. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So he weird. chose a great name. David Bowie's a great David name. David Bowie's a wonderful name. It's such a good name that you would think that it was, and maybe it is, derivative of something else. Like how like how Marilyn Manson was inspired by David Bowie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This metaphor isn't working. What I'm trying to say, it's so cool that you would think you'd have to be ripping off David Bowie or something. Yeah, true. But he just is David Bowie. But it's funny to think that he was so theatrical mm-hmm. that if he had kept his name yeah. of David Robert Jones... He might have, instead of being Ziggy Stardust Spaceman, mm-hmm. maybe he would have been like some sort of like a, an odd sensual pirate from the deep. Oh, right? maybe. Davy Jones. That could have worked, actually. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, as far as the Davy Jones you're talking about, I don't know a ton about Davy Jones, actually. Yeah, I know he's a pirate from the deep. Um, he has golds that he protects, maybe. Okay. Um, I don't know a lot about Davy Jones. What do you know about Davy Jones' locker? That's where the gold at. <laughs> that's where he keeps the gold yeah okay yeah that's i oh uh, does he live down there what do like you in the afterlife he might live down there okay. i'm not sure i really don't know okay yeah uh well you're wrong okay so davy jones is uh essentially a pirate ghost a pirate demon okay some have referred to him as a pirate devil mm. devil of the sea okay a god a deity the god of death on the water. Is this chicken that I have, or is this fish? Devil of the sea. The devil of the sea. Jessica Simpson. If you are going to Davy Jones' locker, that means that you have drowned or died at sea. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Davy Jones' locker is essentially the underwater. The sea. It's the oh, graveyard okay. of pirates at the very bottom of the ocean. That's cool. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, that's very cool. No one knows the origin of the name Davy Jones, but there are uh-huh. theories about why. Like, if you're going to, and we see this a lot. We've talked about things like this where you give some sort of humanity, some sort of a character mm-hmm. trait to a feeling or a vibe or whatever. Yeah. Why Davy Jones? What is that? So Davy Jones isn't even a person or anything like that? Like, he's just kind of a concept that was given a personification? Yeah, basically. Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, he's, he's like huh. a totally folklore thing. Some of what I found out is But that- he's a folklore character? Like, it's a person there's a story about? Or no, it's just kind of like... Davy Jones Locker. Yeah. The latter. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to send you to Davy Jones Locker. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So even like at his most popular, which mm-hmm. the story seems like it dates back to the 18th century, mm-hmm. uh, at the total height of his popularity, sailors would talk about Davy Jones all the time. Yeah. They would salute Davy Jones if they were crossing the equator to sort of pay respect uh-huh. to him. So hoping that he will be kind to them, basically. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't want to talk about him much. Some of them, like some saying, of that might be. Like saying Macbeth yes, or whatever? like saying yeah, Macbeth yeah, yeah. on a stage. It's, yeah. it's bad luck. Right. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. But I think maybe part of that is motivated by the fact that there is not a backstory to Davy Jones. You can be like, well, Davy Jones was an old sailor who befell a curse. Like, you can't really tell yeah. that story at that time anyway. Yeah. He was just that guy huh. that you don't want to run afoul of that's cool he rules the deep yeah he rules the dead sweet and i'll take you to davy jones locker yeah if you cross me again that's awesome right um he uh a 19th century dictionary refers to him as a ghost of jonah oh referring to the biblical story of like jonah that and the whale yeah right he's a ghost of jonah that's awesome he was mentioned in 19th century stories. This seems to like really have been his height, the 1800s. Uh-huh. Uh, he was mentioned in Edgar Allan Poe stories. He's in Moby Dick, Charles Dickens stories. Mentioned in Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, the earliest mentions of him at all 
come from the uh, 1700s. Okay. In Four Years' Voyages of Captain George Roberts by Daniel Defoe in 1726. That's mm-hmm. the earliest of all. And then The Adventures of Peregrine Pickle. Oh, okay. By Tobias Smollett. Wow, what a book name and author name. In 1751. What a blessing. The Adventures of Peregrine Pickle. Peregrine Pickle. I think it's time for a reboot. Yeah, definitely. Hollywood cannibalized that. I'm ready for the pickle verse. Yeah. Uh, Both books describe him as a deity of the dead and the final resting place of dead sailors. Cool. So here are some of the theories about who he is. Okay. Now, these are not set in stone. Like I said, there's no concrete origin, but this is some of the stuff that people have theorized. Okay, I'm listening. Davy Jones was a British pub owner who put his drunk customers into his ale locker Mm. and dumped them onto any passing ship to be sold as slaves. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yikes. Uh, he may have been called Duffer Jones. Good name. A notoriously myopic sailor whose condition often led him to fall off the ship. All right, a little bit less badass than I thought we were going for, but... It certainly takes some of the bite out of old Davy. <laughs> yeah, he's just like Mr. Magoo. Well, I fell over again, boss. I ended up back in the drink. I'm not scared. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, the name may have come from altering the names of other saints and mm-hmm. spirits. There's cool. a Welsh saint, uh, St. David, who protected sailors mm-hmm. in times of mortal peril. So maybe that's sort of a, a corruption of yeah. St. David. Yeah. Uh, there's also, this is interesting, a West Indian malevolent ghost called a duppy. Oh. D-U-P-P-Y. I actually think I've heard of that before. It's appeared in several things. It yeah. still is, like, it's it's not a frequently referenced thing. Uh-huh. Duppy is both a singular and plural. Oh, cool. It's just a ghost. Yeah. But it's, like, sort of like a Caribbean, it's a Jamaican word. Yeah, yeah. For ghosts. So oh, like, cool. Look at all those duppy. Yeah. And that's saying, look at all those ghosts. Huh. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> they called uh, him an evil angel. Evil angel of sailors. Nice. Yeah. Um, So there are a couple of things that he's associated with. I was talking about Davy Jones' locker before. Mm -hmm. Um, It's referenced periodically in like older stories about him. Yeah. It's almost like it's synonymous with him. Yeah. Like going to to Davy Jones is the same as going to Davy Jones' locker. Yeah. Like maybe Davy Jones is a place. Oh. uh You're going to go see Davy Jones means you're going to die. Right. Um, yeah, a, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of said this before, but this is the, a direct quote. I got this from www.thewayofthepirate.com. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Uh, David Jones What's Walker. that website like? <laughs> it's all about pirates. <laughs> I got a lot of my like, research. Like real pirates or like fictional pirates and stuff? Uh, would you believe if I told you I didn't click on any other pages? <laughs> I'd believe it, Will. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I got a lot of research from wayofthepirates.com and famous-pirates.com. Well, Bitternut's huge. It's wild. Yeah. If I wanted to know about Davy Jones 25 years ago, yeah. I'd, I'd be like, well, I, I guess you'd, I can, I can You'd ask, be at the library. I can ask people at school and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Ask right. mom and dad. I only get that one book out of the library. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the quote. It's a nautical term for the graveyard of sailors and pirates at the very bottom mm. of the ocean. Mm. Which I've always loved yeah. the idea of the image of the assumption, and it must be true, yeah. that at the bottom of the ocean, where it's too dark to see, they're just the treasure, treasure chests. Too great to travel. Uh-huh. That's where all the craziest stuff is. Yeah. A bunch of pirate ships 
pirates that lost their lives at sea who are buried beneath it forevermore. Still wearing their hats. Yeah, absolutely. So frightening. Yes. And a bunch of no, sea awesome. monsters that can't come up to the surface and are impossible to understand. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, Love very it cool. Absolutely. Um, so this uh, Davy Jones locker was also first mentioned in the Adventures of Peregrine Pickle. <laughs> that was a, a Peregrine Damn, Pickle. Damn, the Adventures of Peregrine Pickle is packed. Yeah. Well, that's hard to say. The pick Avengers a pack of, of peregrine pi- pickle or packed. Pick a pack of peregrine pickles. <laughs> you did a good job. Thank man. you. Yeah, I want to read those stories. You think they're good or terrible? I don't. I don't even understand what they're about. So I don't know how to make a guess. Like, what the hell is that? I'm guessing peregrine pickle is a person. <laughs> and what's it called though? The Adventures of Peregrine Peregrine Pickle. Correct. That, I don't know. I don't know. Will I'm not sure about that. Peregrine pickle sounds like he's bumbling to me. Yes, he absolutely does. Like yeah. The misadventures of Peregrine. Yeah, I don't love a weed character where it's just interesting that they're stupid. Yeah, does anybody? <laughs> does I think that? so. I guess. So here are some terms uh, that are associated with Davy Jones and Davy Jones Locker. Yeah. To be sent to Davy Jones Locker is to die at sea. To awaken Davy Jones is to cause a storm. Oh. To see you to Davy Jones. That's cool. Yeah. Like you've angered him. You've woken him up from the underworld and like now he's pissed. He's going to stir something up. You've done it now. You've woken Davy Jones. I imagine him like, I don't even know how, but like that's what I'm envisioning, like swirling. He's like swirling the sand underneath the sea and it makes the sea get really rough and choppy and then like somehow that affects everything else. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Reverse toilet. Yeah. Reverse toilet. It comes up and out. Exactly. Dream. Um, that's just like how here on the upper hemisphere, when mm-hmm. you flush the toilet, it goes clockwise and down. Right. And in Australia, it goes counterclockwise and up and out. That's right. Um, a game of opposites. There's also to take someone to go see a Davy Jones is to threaten to kill someone. Mm. To be in Davy's grip Ooh. is to be dying. Ooh. Frightened. Yeah. <laughs> you might just be frightened. Frightened? That seems like a brief grip, though. I'm probably One would frightened. hope. Yeah. You're in Davy Jones' grip. You have to let him loosen. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake his grip. Duffer fell in the drink again. Peel back his fingers, white thingy. Pull it about, port side. Duffer fell over again. Thanks, boss. I want to write a pirate story with you. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that like uh, my brain just got erased real quick there. That was really good. I do love the idea of a bunch of people out at sea, yeah, that have their own sort of folklore that they sit around talking about. Yeah, they've got they've got days, weeks, yes. months at sea. It has to become your own little ecosystem. It yeah. would have to be when you're when you're starting to go over the equator. They start yeah. to wake up everybody and going like, mm-hmm. "Hey, pay your respects." Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. You have to do this little wave and a bow, whatever, to Davy Jones to try to make sure that you're still in his favor. Are there? Did you come across anything like? Are there things that people do to appease Davy Jones by any chance? So if he's kind of like death personified, I wonder if there are any things that you can do to try to like huh. keep Davy Jones from you. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see anything. Yeah, but yeah, that does make sense. Like, how do you mm-hmm. keep from running afoul of Davy right. Jones? Right. Maybe there are things that he likes. You know what I mean? Like if he like likes doubloons. Yeah. You flick a doubloon in the ocean. Maybe that's how we got putting coins into a fountain and making a wish. Oh. Maybe it was that you threw a coin to Davy Jones to wish that you wouldn't die and it evolved. Why do we? Put I'm making that up down? completely. I have no, no I idea. That's interesting though. Well, we, uh, I so bet it is up. something like that. I bet yeah. it is something about like paying some sort of paying a toll. sea god. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, Davy Jones. Uh, has a sick ride. Mm-hmm. It's called the Flying Dutchman. Oh yeah, that's right. I knew that. Strange that's my favorite thing. sandwich at um, the local deli. The Flying Dutchman. Mm-hmm. What? What's on that? I don't remember. I just know that whenever I go there, I order the Flying Dutchman. Seafood? 
No, no, it's like turkey. It's white fish and mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, I guess no, it's like it's turkey and something. I don't remember what. Weird. Yeah. Uh, well, the Flying Dutchman is a pirate ship, mm-hmm. which I associate with Davy Jones. Yeah. But was not originally. Okay. It still comes from the same era. Yeah. Of like the the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Nineteen hundreds. Um, I guess that's just because there was a lot of uh, seafaring going on, uh-huh. uh, storytelling, passing from person to person. Yeah. Uh, but the Flying Dutchman itself is just a ghost ship. It's a bad omen. Oh. You might see it coming, and that's a sign of ill things happening on the horizon. Oh. You, um, they say that it was a ship that was doomed. That's cool. I guess I have heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, it was doomed to sail the oceans forever, never making port. Ooh. Certainly the idea of a ghost ship is really yes. evocative and appealing. You yeah. picture it rolling out of the fog. Totally. With tattered I really sails. like that. Yeah. It's really sort of haunting and striking and kind of beautiful looking. Yeah. I mean, isn't there a thing? I don't know if it's in the original story, Peter Pan, and it might just be in the Disney movie. Isn't Captain Hook's ship at one point like kind of clouds in the sky? It kind of looks like a ghost ship. Maybe. Maybe. Does it yeah. sail on the clouds or something? Maybe. Something like that. But I feel like it looks awesome. Well, I will say, like, I wonder if that has any association with what might be the origin of the Flying Dutchman. Maybe. Um, a lot of the stories about this ship as being sort of like, uh, I don't know, otherworldly or frightening. Yeah. Might be explained by a mirage. Oh. Um, essentially, sometimes in the atmosphere, the air can reflect what's happening on the earth below. So you might see, you know, like you think about on like a really hot day, you see that shimmering effect, and it's almost yeah. reflecting the ground mm-hmm. three feet below it, something right. like that. So you might be looking out over the horizon at sea, yeah, and there's a ship, but that ship is mirrored in the sky. Oh, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And if you yeah. don't have the tools right. to explain what's happening, you might then develop stories about what that must be, right? And it must be the ghost ship, the Flying Dutchman, yeah. And boy, what That's bad sweet. luck did we have that we had to see that. The Flying Dutchman, day. yeah. Yeah. Uh, first mention comes from a book from 1790 called Travels in Various Parts of Europe, Asia, and Africa During a Series of 30 Years and Upward by John MacDonald, who is not known for his brevity. <laughs> that is a long title. Hell of a title. The weather was so stormy that the sailors said they saw the Flying Dutchman. The common story is that this Dutchman came to the Cape in distress of weather and wanted to get into harbor, but could not get a pilot to conduct her and was lost. Oh. And that ever since, in very bad weather, her vision appears. Sweet. So it's almost literally the ghost of a ship. Yeah. The ship was torn apart and sunk, and yet her image appears still. That's awesome. Do they say anything about the people who were aboard the Flying Dutchman? Uh, I think it's just hailed by a crew of people that are cursed yes. never to make port. Yeah. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. yeah um, I'm sure you just want to make a port at a certain point. Absolutely. You're like, get me off this thing. Yeah. Get me off this crazy thing. I've had dysentery for days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forever. Uh, now, it might be based on a real-life pirate. Mm-hmm. The 17th century Dutch captain Bernard Focke. Dutchman? Oh. Meet the Focke. Oh. Hmm? He was renowned... Uh, for the speed of his trips, hmm. it was very speedy. He Didn't was, seem to do him any good if he yeah, stuck to the Dutchman. True. Uh, he was so fast, he was suspected of being in league with the devil. Cool. That's sweet. Yeah. And so essentially because Davy Jones and the Flying Dutchman were two popular myths at the same time, yeah. you've got a concept of a captain and you've got a concept of a ship. Yeah. Put the captain on that ship. Yeah. And you get 
Davy Jones piloting the. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I really like that. Guarding that barrier between the living and the dead. You really securing their bodies in Davy Jones's thing. (laughs) Forgot the last word. I got real close. I got one word away from saying a perfectly normal sentence. You have made sea stuff very cool to me. I love it's something I never really thought about before. You started talking about this stuff on the show, and it's it's really really awesome. Well, like I've always like I've really thought that looking under the sea is beautiful. It's one of those senses I say it sounds so stupid, like how I like looking at trees. But um, love trees, love a good tree. (laughs) We were in the car. Allie and I and a few friends um, went to a thing in the city the other, day, the other day, and then um, I just went on the way home with one of them, and she asked me, I said something about having crystals around the house, and she was like, oh, how'd you get into crystals? I was like, well, I don't know if I'd say I'm, like, into them. Like, I don't really, like, know anything about, like, metaphysical properties or anything, but just, like, I really love them. Yeah. I just think they're gorgeous, and I was like, I just can't believe that the Earth made that. Like, yeah. the Earth made that. It's insane to me. It is insane. So I feel the same. I feel similarly about um under-the-sea creatures and the plants down there. They just look like they were made up, and it's unbelievable to me, but I never really thought about under-the-sea in, like, a go Mostly sort of oh, way, and you have made it really cool. I do a lot. I, I find it really frightening. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so uh, so we've got uh, friends, mm-hmm. Mike Costa, the Costas, mm-hmm. um, who he's got a, a lake house that we go to periodically in upstate New York. Yeah. And it is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 just small enough that you can see pretty clear to the opposite bank. Yeah. Um, sometimes we hop in his boat and we drive around that lake. Yeah, it's really cool. And uh, I recently found out it's about 175 feet deep, somewhere uh-huh. thereabouts. Uh-huh. Not exactly. Yeah. And I, it, on one level, I was like, that's not that deep. Yeah. And on another level, I was like, well, I'm not going down there. That's deep, baby. I can't get down there. Yeah. Um, one of the first times that I ever went there, this is really, I understand how this sounds, uh-huh. but unfortunately I am this person. Yeah. I, I, I made sure that I just kind of sat on the dock uh-huh. for a long time. Oh yeah. I brought, brought a little notebook so I could write yeah. about what I was thinking and feeling. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm I preaching wrote, to the choir. I wrote my I thoughts know. and feelings constantly. I know. I know. But like, it's it just like, it's so, it's so I potentially know. obnoxious. Saying to be like, it at, saying, um, excuse me, chums, I'll be sitting out on the pier to be writing stories <laughs> I know. if you need me. Um, <laughs> but yet there I was. Yes. And one of the first things that I wrote up there was like about, about a monster in the deep. Mm-hmm. It's like, who, who the hell knows what's down there? It's insane. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. It just lives there. It's just natural. Nobody put that. It, we're not even talking about like a scary monster. Maybe somebody put down there. There's things that exist. Yeah. I the Earth just made them. It just exists, and it exists. Crazy. Existed before us, and it'll yes, exist long after us. That's part of the thing that's crazy to me. That just always been nothing. there. We are nothing. You might go there, and you might uh, cast a line and catch a fish. Right. That fish has been alive for like mere weeks, and now it's out of the ecosystem. Right. We are that fish. Right. That lake is going to. In in the long scheme of things, it's going to outlive us. It's not going to remember us. Yes, I know. It, we are worthless in the grand Bends scheme. Bends my brain. Yeah. Yes. And so I we're about to fly in the afterbirth. Yeah, we are. I think it's an ant. Oh yeah, it is an ant. But uh, <laughs> I, it's the, it's the same thing to me. The woods. Yeah. And the water. Yes. Are uh, they're they're codependent, obviously, yeah. but like there's something about them that uh, are are so remote and removed. Yeah. From society. Yeah. They are beautiful ecosystems that exist outside me. Yeah. It's it all supports itself. 
Uh-huh. And I don't understand what's going on in there. Something yeah. is hidden in the shade between the trees. Yeah. Something is hidden under the surface of the water. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you it's have really peaceful and quiet and you can make it your own. Yeah. But only so much. Right. It's going to shake you off someday. Yeah. You've really brought that into relief for me about the water. I love that. I absolutely awesome. love that. The earth is insane, guys. It is. And it's, and the, and the, honestly, I know the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are of uh, diminishing quality the longer that they mm-hmm. went on. Uh, there is some absolutely beautiful yeah. uh, filmmaking, beautiful shots, beautiful vistas. I love the horizons. I love mm-hmm. the shimmering effect of uh, of the sunlight against the, the yeah. top of the well, water. looking at water is like insanely gorgeous. It's just yeah. like the most beautiful. It's like so hypnotic. Looking absolutely. at waves, I could just stare at waves forever. When Allie and I went on that Disney cruise. Yeah. Again, same thing. Is I'm just like I I, I am a, a little bit hippy dippy and and mm-hmm. like I've got to ex- exercise my creative side. Uh-huh. I would go sit on the the little back patio thing we had, and I would just watch the water. Yeah. Behind the ship. Yeah. What was in our wake? Just like these swirling lines, like tire treads on the water. Yeah. I loved it. It's insane. Um. But so anyway, obviously, uh, the Davy Jones character was mm-hmm. worked very heavily into the Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. series, I think, to massively amazing effect mm-hmm. in the, the first sequel. Yeah. Car- Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest. An amazing movie, a very solid, strong sequel. Yeah. Uh, and a benchmark in effects work. Yeah, insane. We talked about it in the Kraken episode. His yeah. face looks insane. It's, it's insanely incredible. good. So they yeah. take Davy Jones, the the uh, ghostly sailor guy who guards the realm of the dead, um, and they turn him into a fish man. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the other part of the curse that keeps him tethered to the seas, never to make port or step on land again, yeah. uh, corrupts his humanity physically. Mm-hmm. So uh, he becomes part of the sea. Yeah. His face, what used to be like a long white pirate beard becomes octopus tentacles yes and they look so good he has a well you know relative instead of a hand yeah it is amazing it, it's it's such inventive character design work mm-hmm. but it ties so nicely into ghost pirate yeah like that vibe yeah and it elevates it to some place that i had never seen before yeah at all um and i really feel like uh they worked in some of that idea that like uh, a, a ship will crash. Mm-hmm. People are dying, clinging to whatever bits of wreckage are still floating. Right. And Davy Jones appears. Right. The Flying Dutchman. And he offers you a choice. It's really sweet. You can either die here, now, on the seas and be sent to the locker, or you can come board my ship mm-hmm. and work the crew for 100 years before the mast. Ooch. And if you take that offer, you're basically like a slave on yeah. the Flying Dutchman. And you, too, are going to be corrupted over the course of that 100 years. You're going right. to be turned evil. Right. And you're, you're going to suddenly, you're going to have, like, a, a fish face. And, yeah. You know, like, Do his crew have fish faces? Yeah. Uh, it's a really amazing design work. Yeah. I think Tim Burton worked on it. Yeah. Some oh, that's cool. Designs. Really, really impressive. Whatever you think of that movie, like, the yeah. artwork in it, the actual, like, craft of putting it together. Right, like, really, what it really looks impressive. like. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then sort of they, they start to tie in. Who is this man and like why is he this way? Mm-hmm. And their explanation isn't necessarily the most satisfying or gratifying. Yeah. But it's it's certainly really interesting. And cool. especially for a character that like 
isn't used in anything. Davy Jones is not yeah. a character that you see in anything. Yeah. To have it be done in such a big, wild way mm-hmm. is really impressive and, and really fun to watch them try. At yeah. Least. Um, cool. So, yeah. I mean, this thing is 300 years old. Seems to have legs. Yeah, I guess so. And I, I, just, I just love the idea that it all starts with a bunch of people standing on a ship. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. hoping that they're going to be okay. But yes. coming up with the rules... For what happens if they're not. Yeah, totally. You know, it's just interesting. Yeah. So that's the story. That's awesome. I had Jones. no idea. Yeah. I really just learned a lot. Good stuff. Sweet. Very fun. Every time every time we do that, when we did the Kraken, it made me want to watch Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean, and I didn't. I know. I actually said, I remember Jones, saying the same thing. Again, and I, uh, yeah. Maybe I should. Well, maybe now's the time maybe to. Now's the time. Dick, you saw you're talking a little bit. You're like, maybe I should. You know what? Maybe I ought to. Sit right back on my haunches. Make a move. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. So I All hope right. you enjoyed the show. We will see you next week. But until then, you can follow us on social media. We're at GTTU Pod everywhere. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you could also join our private Facebook group if you search for Guides to the Unknown Podcast in Facebook. You can request to join, and William or I will uh, approve you. Yep. Um, you could also go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod and donate a little bit of money to the show per month to thank us for hopefully entertaining you a little bit. We appreciate that a lot. And we're going to talk soon about a thing that we're going to be doing in just a couple of weeks with our Patreon dollars that will benefit you guys. We're going to have a cool kind of out of the box episode a little bit toward the end of September. Yeah, for sure. We're going to be going out somewhere pretty interesting Mm -hmm. uh, that we would not have been going to otherwise yeah. without your support. Yeah, so it's going to be really sweet. We'd also love it if you could review us on iTunes or any podcast app that you use. That'd be really, really awesome. Um, those reviews make us seem legit to people who are cruising podcasts, and then they might listen to it and enjoy it too. Yeah. yeah. Plus, we'll see them, and they'll make us smile. Yes. Um, yeah. Also, we record this show live every mm-hmm. Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook.com slash GTTUpod. Yeah. So you can actually get the show a little bit early and talk to us a little bit before and after the show. Yeah. Uh, that's your kind of thing. Beyond that, you can also chat with us online. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram. I'm at Haunted Sponge. So we will be back in one week's time to share more scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm. Oh, good job. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworlds of the high seas. Go we. Bye! Bye!